0: Listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, everybody out there in the podcast listening universe. Thank you for downloading this podcast and putting it in your ear holes. And I know that sounds like a very trite and real basic thing to say, but I really do appreciate you taking the time with this show, taking the time with these guests, and listening to what they have to say because uh, I think it's important and I'm glad you think it's important. Today, we've got Dale Crover from the Melvins on. He is a man of many talents, has played in a lot of different bands, but the Melvins is his anchor and the one he's been playing with for quite some time, pretty much since the inception, not pretty much since the inception, but uh, Dale and I had a great chat. The only thing I would like to note is that the, the... we ran into some technology barriers (laughs) in regards to the internet just totally crapping out on us on more than one occasion. And it was, uh, it was frustrating, but we got through it. We actually had to switch over to the phone, which you'll notice in the last about seven minutes of the conversation. Um, you know, nothing that is like unlistenable, but I just want you to know that, uh, that it switches at a certain point because, uh, you know, I just wanted to ask these last few questions and we wanted to push through it. So, That is what we did. You'll also notice at the top of the show, we have a new theme song. I am going to be using that from here on out. It is written by my friend Eugene who does incredible music. If you are interested in what he has going on, you can just email the show 100 words podcast at gmail.com and I will pull some connective tissue together, but he does a lot of great work and uh, he has done a lot of neat things for this show. So I really appreciate him and uh, contributing song wise to this because it's an original composition. That's how cool this podcast is. <laughs> but um, you can also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I know I say that almost every week, but it is meaningful. It gives legitimacy to this show and it makes other people discover it and that is an important thing. And also tell your friends. Tell anybody who should be listening to this show that uh they need to, you know, download it. Try out an episode or two because I've got like 400 some of these things. So please do that. And um yeah, let's dive into the conversation with Dale and I will talk to you at the end of the episode for who is coming up next week. first interacted with uh the melvins in general just as a uh you know punk and hardcore kid growing up in the 90s and uh you know kind of understanding where the melvins sat in context of you know just kind of lineage of punk and hardcore and everything like that and i'm sure it's interesting now you know existing for as long as you have an independent music scene there are so many jumping off points for people to find out about you know, what you do as a musician where it's like, Oh yeah, I, I didn't even know he played the Melvins. Cause I just really like off or, you know, I mean, that's a, maybe, maybe not the best example, but you get what I'm saying.
1: Sure. There might be some yeah. people like that, but I mean, even, well, I mean, the thing is I don't, I don't consider us to be like some oldies bands. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's like uh, somehow we've managed to stay current, you know, and, and even though we have the history that we do, uh, we're not considered like, you know, oh, 90s retro band or whatever, you know. <laughs> Thank God. <clears throat> but then again, you know, maybe maybe that would have gotten us, maybe that would get us some more like state fair gigs, you know.
0: Oh, for sure, dude. You can do the, uh, you know, sit down dinner theater playing in front of uh, 500 people or whatever. Yeah, those,
1: I hear those pay well, you See? know. It's like one ticket. You sell one ticket. That's all you need, man. Free show. <laughs> yeah, Exactly
0: right you get you're getting the wine and dinner but then a band happens to be playing for free
1: (laughs) right right no no we've never quite had those offers though well in some ways but i mean (laughs) right they're they're few and far between and always something kind of weird and bizarre uh sure uh, you know managed to still play a lot of the same places we've been playing for a long time and um because we've got you know good relationships with people all across the country and stuff like
0: that, right? Exactly, yeah. You've you've traveled in the same circles, and you know people obviously know your context and where you're coming from. But I, I guess the point I was trying to arrive at was the the notion that people can get into you at any time. You know, a 13 year old kid now can just get into the most recent release and then be like, "Oh, this is interesting. This acoustic thing," and then, you know, understand so much more about the band. Um, I I presume it's gratifying for you to be able to like you said obviously not just be this quote-unquote retroact, but then still be able to be accessible to a wide range of people i mean not mainstream obviously but yes
1: <laughs> right yeah exactly um seems that we always get a, a sort of a new audience every year you know or at least every couple of years it seems like it changes over but uh, you know we we understand that because you get to a certain age and you don't really go out and watch music that much anymore, or or you know, go to a bar when you're like in your fifties that much anymore or anything like that. So there, there's we've managed to have this audience that stayed roughly the same age. So and I, I always quote, uh, um, uh, uh, "Dazed and Confused." um um with uh, uh, uh what's his name's character Matthew McConaughey's uh, character yeah, yeah
0: I know where exactly. you're going yeah right. yeah exactly. they say the same age I just keep getting older I
1: keep, yeah I keep getting older and they stay the same age you know <laughs> right which is creepy now but um <laughs> yes in in the
0: context he you know, I mean, used it in the movie uh that was not cool but yes for you guys it's definitely cool <laughs> And I'm sure that uh, kind of having that, like you said, sort of generational turnover. And when I say generation, like I honestly, personally in independent music, measure it every like four to five years, uh, just because.
1: Yeah, that's probably about right. You know? It's
0: like every high school year, you know, it's like, oh, once a freshman graduates, you know, their senior year, like that kind of the new, the new leaf gets turned over. I, I would really define that for you guys as well. Like in the early two thousands, where a lot of people that, you know, were very and are, are still very entrenched in the whatever metal punk hardcore world. And you guys were deemed as, you know, very influential from bands like, you know, ISIS and all of that. Like once that started, the Hyderhead record scene started to, you know, really take hold. I think that was a real interesting inflection point for you guys to all of a sudden be playing in front of, you know, not like extremely younger people, but people who are more open to, you know, your creative pursuits.
1: Yeah, somehow we've crossed genres. We've gone, you know, we grunge. Uh, we can go the stoner metal route, uh, uh, and, you know, and then with with you know, like the bands you're just mentioning, it's like you know, art metal, <laughs> you know, or, or sludge, or or you know, uh, uh, whatever. You know, uh, there's quite a there's quite a crossover, right, right, of, uh, of of people that we appeal to, you know, but not all those people. I mean, we're we're kind of like too heavy for like. Alternative people and and maybe too weird and nerdy for for super extreme metal people, you know, but somehow we meet all the weirdos in the in the middle,
0: right? It's like you're collecting from each disparate scene and being like, Oh, we'll take 5% here 7% here. Not like that's a strategy. But
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) no, it just happened that way. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Uh, I'll, I'll pull on some other strings in regards to that a little bit later, but I know you were, uh, born and raised and obviously in the Aberdeen area, like everybody, you know, has mentioned in every interview ever. Um, but from, from what I can understand in general about the time and the police that you, you came up in, Aberdeen was this, you know, suburb enclave, but at the same time, there was a lot of, uh, I guess, progressive thought and a lot of, um, more interesting things happening there per se and not so much from like a cultural perspective, but just like, Oh yeah, sort of, you know, maybe ex hippies or that sort of lifestyle. Uh, is that, is that a correct representation or am I completely off?
1: Nah, there wasn't much going on there at all. I mean, as far as, okay, just dead. (laughs) We were definitely the few of us that we were certainly, uh, outsiders compared to anything else that was going on there. I mean, there was really no music scene going on there besides like a few high school style cover bands, which, I was guilty of being in one until I joined the Melvins. Um, other than, you know, well, the freakiness of there's being like a few bands that actually came from there, you know, Metal Church <laughs> is one of them that were going when, uh, when I saw the Melvins. Um, and I knew those guys and, um, and, you know, saw them play and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there was no place to play. Uh, all we did... When, once I joined the Melvins, all we did was practice all the time because that's all there really was to do. <laughs> we would practice all the time and, and play a show maybe once a month, but not in Aberdeen. Uh, that would be more like Olympia or Seattle or, or something like that. Um, so, you know, it was an isolated coastal town in uh, uh, in Washington. Close closest city would have been, you know, city, Olympia, you know, but, but there was actually stuff going on there, you know. There was like a – there was – the uh, evergreen college, which, um, was kind of an, uh, a, a, and still is kind of a a, 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 hippie college, I guess you'd say, you know, alternative, alternative college, progressive. Um, so I think because of that, there was kind of, there was definitely like a, you know, underground music scene that Melvins were involved in, uh, even before I joined the band, you know, and I knew that. And I thought that that was okay. These guys actually play gigs out of town, you know, and there's nothing going on here. So, Good, uh, good move to get with a, a band that's, that's, uh, playing shows, not in Aberdeen, <laughs> where there's no place to play, besides a keger party, maybe, if you're lucky. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so the fact that, that any bands came from there at all is, is just, is, is, is freakish in and of itself.
0: Sure. There was such a, uh, you know, a large mountain to climb, so to speak, just to, you know, get out of the garage. Yep. So, I mean, I guess why, you know, why were your parents there? Like what were they doing as far as their profession was concerned? Like why, I guess, you know, set roots in Aberdeen.
1: Yeah. Good question. Why the fuck were they there? No. Uh, (laughs) um, my dad ended up there sometime after, uh, world war two. He, uh, was a a world war two vet and, um, after he got out of the war, he got into construction and helped, uh, uh he did a lot of construction work, did a lot of, uh, building bridges in Washington. So I, I don't know exactly how I ended up in Aberdeen, you know, uh, because sure. his family's from Oregon, you know, my mom grew up there and, um, uh, um, I'm not exactly sure how her parents ended up there. Well, I probably do. I mean, you know, he was in World War II. So I have a grandfather that was in, or sorry, World War I. I have a grandfather who was in World War I and a dad that was in World War II. Isn't that crazy? I'm not that old.
0: And no, it, that it, it is crazy to hear that, especially in the context of where your life obviously ended up farthest away from military service at all possible. So
1: <laughs> I- Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, thanks, thank thank God those guys did, did it, you know, and, and I didn't have to do it Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank, thanks for having me just the, at the right time, uh, you know, when you didn't have plans to have a kid. Yep. Where I would miss any, any uh, uh, military action.
0: Right. And that's great. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and, pl- and plus the, um, I guess the desire and the fortitude to be like, oh, yes, like, you know, obviously my grandfather was in the military and my father was in the military. So I guess by definition, I should at least try this out. But, you know, that was clearly never a part of your plan.
1: Oh no! So, so right. So, so you know, my dad had three kids before me, and my mom had two, um, and then they got together, and uh, and happy accident, me came along, and um, so you know, uh, easy for me to like uh, get the band to come over and, and practice at the house because they'd already done all the parenting that they needed to do and so it was all cool
0: (laughs) right (laughs) they were like listen dale can fend for himself like he as long as he's not doing anything you know horrifically irresponsible we'll be
1: okay My brothers are like, you got away with, you got away with murder. We would have never been able to have like band practice at the house, you know?
0: (laughs) Dude, that's great. That's great. So, I mean, we're all, I guess, five of your uh, step siblings all at the same house, like at the same time as well. So you had to, you know, that many kids running around?
1: Mm, Maybe, maybe at first, but no, my, uh, um, uh, my older brother and two sisters lived with their mother and uh, my two brothers on my mother's side lived with us. So, and they were they were still a bit older than me. like uh, uh, by the time I was uh, a teenager, they were out of the house, and I, uh, I I commanded their bedrooms, and one of them was like the jam room. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them was the bedroom.
0: yes of course yeah um and so what what kind of uh kid did you find yourself being as you were you know kind of going through junior high and high school like developing an identity did you you know try sports out were you like all right i'm gonna be you know a scholarly guy like were you what identities were you trying on at that time
1: by by then yeah i I was into baseball for sure and then yeah by the time i turned 13 uh it was starting to get more real (laughs) you know like (laughs) like uh, uh well, all of a sudden it was like, yeah, you're on a reg- regulation size, a real field, you know, not a little league field, and uh, guys are getting bigger and throwing harder, and um, um, I don't know. It, I was starting to play music then, so it was like, you know, I I realized that I was, a, a I could be a much better drummer than a baseball player. Um, I tried out football for a little bit, but then that was like pretty serious, you know, kids basically yep. pummeling the shit out of you, and I was like, "Nah, nah, I don't want to do this." <laughs> right. This is you way more intense this. than baseball, right? Well, well. Plus, at, at that age, kids are just. Well, I should, I should speak softly because my my son is in seventh grade, but that was the worst fucking year of school ever. Yes,
0: it is a. I, I mean, boys, girls, it sucks totally. It, it doesn't matter what you are it's one of the worst totally because no one has any idea what they're doing yet. Everyone's trying to be confident in right. what they're not.
1: <laughs> well, I, um, shit's a little bit better now because they're definitely cracking down on more of the bully type of stuff than they used to. Sure. Um, though I know it's still the fucking same, but, um, he, my, my junior high at that point was like, um, you know, and, and I'm talking about right, right when I was trying to get getting into playing drums, uh, uh, uh forming opinions, opinions about music and all that kind of stuff uh um it was seventh eighth ninth grade so seventh graders just got you know they got the the worst shit from from all the kids so his school is uh six seven eight so he's at least in the middle
0: right right for sure and did you care about school like did you get solid enough grades to keep your parents off your back or were they pretty concerned
1: maybe for a little while okay well, I mean, by the time I joined the Melvins, I was sixteen, going on seventeen. Um, was uh, yeah, um, yeah, sophomore, and um, joined the band summer of eighty four when I was going into that grade, and yeah, we were playing shows on weekdays out of town and not getting back till three, four in the morning, and I was starting to miss a lot of school.
0: And did they uh, did they grow concerned at that point?
1: A little bit, but you know it's uh, hard to control a teenager. I don't know if you know this, but
0: it's yes. I, I, so I've lived through and heard (laughs) and seen, especially in our, our beautiful independent music scene. It's not like uh, a lot of people have that, uh, you know, with starting bands and touring, it's not like uh, that's something that parents understand.
1: Right. You know, I think um, it was probably obvious to my parents even before that, that that's really what I wanted to do. And um, I don't know, I must've been pretty good, good enough for them to go, Oh, this is, you know, Hmm. Well, maybe there's something here. Um, you know, so they let a lot of stuff slide.
0: We're talking about band merch. We're talking about rockabilia.com. And we're also talking about using this promo code 100 words or less that gets you 10% off your entire order. And why are we talking about these things? It's because band merch is the best. I have hundreds and hundreds of t shirts, and many of them have ended up being purchased via rockabilia. I think they are the greatest purveyors of online merchandise. All officially licensed stuff, high quality, ships to you fast. There is literally no reason you can't go on there and find a bunch of items that you will buy, and then just be that much cooler than all your friends. Because after all, isn't that what we're all looking for? Joking aside, Rockabilia is the best. They continue to support this podcast, and you will have so much fun going to their website using the promo code one hundred words or less, and that gets you ten percent off your order. Go there and find all of your favorite band merch today. Uh, That was a point I was going to bring up a little bit later. The notion that you, obviously, as a drummer, like starting off drums is like easily the most punishing instrument for most parents. So for them to... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So for them to give you that leeway.
1: Right, right. So yeah, that was the telltale right there, you know. Oh, okay. But yeah, the drums got loud pretty damn quick. And they, they were supportive all the way through, so... Thanks mom and
0: dad. Yeah. That's, a, that, that. that's impressive. Especially like you said too, being able to have, you know, rehearsal at the house and stuff like that. Um, because yeah. I'm sure, sh- I'm sure there's an element of them being excited that you cared about something. And then clearly underneath that roof, they can keep tabs on
1: you. Totally. They probably figured like, Oh, well, at least we know where he is.
0: Right. As long as he's making noise, it's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's here.
0: All right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so I'm guessing because uh, it, it's interesting. You, um, you you live in LA right now, right? You've been in Southern California for a while, or no? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you, to me, you've always struck me as like this very sort of quintessential SoCal dude, as far as like your attitude and not taking things <laughs> overly seriously. Um, dude,
1: yeah. Do um, I have do I have the accent yet, man? <laughs>
0: I think if you were trying to, uh, you know, imitate Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, yes, I think so.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, I was kind of going for more of a Keith Morris thing. True. That, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like him him, or, or Steve McDonald, you know, I mean, he's, you know, that's, he's got the total Southern Cal accent, you know? Yes. That's, that's the accent. That is the accent.
0: Yes, you are correct. You've, you've spent plenty of time with them. So you have uh, plenty of, uh, Mm -hmm. of experience to imitate them. (laughs) It's a good Um,
1: accent. Yeah, it
0: is. Uh, So I guess, has that always kind of been your uh, personality, as it were? Were you always sort of generally easygoing and kind of displaying that, um, you know, that vibe? Or is that something that you kind of grew into over time?
1: (laughs) Uh, I think I've always been pretty easygoing. Yeah, sure. Um, Quiet sometimes, shy, whatever. Used to be somewhat introverted.
0: Right. Well, you're the drummer. So you obviously have the, you know, the uh, armor as it were to hide behind the kit.
1: <laughs> oh, oh yeah. But, but I can certainly ham it up. Absolutely. Well, I mean, clearly the Melvins are. Right. If he, if you said who's the biggest ham in the Melvins,
0: you know, there, there could be uh there could be some arguments about that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there could be actually. Yes. Yes. There could be. Right. But, um, you know, I'll have a ham contest with anybody on stage, you know,
0: absolutely (laughs) well and honestly I I think that's why people I mean in my opinion why people are attracted to the Melvins in general is you know you guys take your art and music seriously as far as the presentation of it is concerned but you never Mm -hmm. take it overly seriously and people understand that there's this you know tongue in cheek firmly implanted in the band I'm going to guess that's obviously intentional for you guys
1: Uh, uh, I mean, it's not so much intentional as just the, that's the how that is how we are, you know, uh, uh, forever stuck in uh, eighth grade humor, you know, and that just comes out. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, the name of the band is the Melvins. What the fuck do you expect? You know, <laughs> <laughs> of course, right? What do you want? What do you think's gonna happen? Right, you're only
0: <laughs> you're only gonna take this so seriously. Yeah. We're not yeah. we're not, we're not Maybe, curing well, there, cancer there,
1: here. There, there, it is right there. There it is right there. Sure. The name of the band is the Melvins.
0: Did you ever, I guess, kind of mess around with like guitar or anything else before drums took you over, or was that like day one that was the thing you wanted to play?
1: Oh no, I was a guitar player first. Okay, that's right. I played guitar I starting in eighth grade. Sorry, eighth grade. Eight years old uh, was when I got my first acoustic guitar and started p- taking lessons at the local Aberdeen Library, public library. That's the, a you know,
0: weird the, place to take lessons. I've never heard of that. Were,
1: yeah, free lessons. You know, yeah, back when uh, the library used to do stuff, that was cool. I guess uh, they, they probably still do. But I mean, I mean, yeah, there, there's stuff like that around. You know, it was like, yeah, free guitar lessons for a group, and he would he was teaching basic beginning guitar, and and uh, um, you know, learned your 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 A seven chord, and then your D, and then your G, and then you got a song right there. So, uh, right. So you, Hush that's, little baby, Kumbaya, Ogladio, <laughs> Bada. That's where I first learned those songs. My library was pretty cool too. They'd show. They would uh, sometimes show. Uh, they had uh, uh, films, and, and they would show uh, uh, movies. You could actually rent. You could uh, rent. You could you could you could check out the movies and a projector, <laughs> and and uh, and and watch like uh, I remember they would show, uh, uh, Yellow Submarine, at the library. Wow! In the same in the same room where I took the guitar lessons, and um, or or uh, yeah, I remember uh, we we checked out the uh, 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 projector and film one time and, and watched Harlem Globetrotters films, and then then we watched them backwards.
0: <laughs>
1: sure, were, um, so funny backwards. <laughs> oh,
0: I can I can imagine they're funny forwards, and yeah. then putting them backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's incredible. Totally. Obviously, when you were messing around with the guitar, one led to the other of you being interested in drums because that was easier because there's no notes.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I was always interested in them, too. I mean, um, uh, something I've mentioned before is um, uh, I remember being six years old at Christmas and getting a toy drum set and being super excited, like waking up and seeing it. And I don't think I knew that I was getting something like that. But just being completely blown away and like oh my god! And you know, I started playing it right away at six in the morning. And I'm sure my parents were like, "Up,
0: oh, mistake! Eh, Christmas is here!" <laughs> totally,
1: whoops. <laughs> so uh, um, yeah, so I remember always I, I'm just being interested in both. I mean, not only toy drums but toy guitars and stuff like that too. So just, just being interested in music from a really early age, you know, um, and watching stuff on TV like what you could watch would be like, well, the monkeys were the the, the big band. For sure. I'd say uh, it is a is still one of my favorites. But I would also watch uh Hee Haw at the same time or the Lawrence Welk Show or whatever. Just anything with music didn't matter. But the monkeys were the cooler. Cooler of the bunch. <laughs> Probably why why I gravitated to uh, you know, rock and roll more, I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but yeah anything with music you were consuming i completely identify with you because i love the monkeys and that was something that i was watching uh clearly on reruns on like you know nickelodeon and nick at night and stuff like that and i remember how like heartbroken i was when i discovered that that wasn't like a quote-unquote real band like they were assembled and it was just like oh it really like but they're really good like what's wrong with that
1: yeah well i mean those songs are really great you know i mean they had great songwriters and and um and, and obviously great players or whatever, uh, whoever played on those records. But, you know, at the same time, you know, bands like the beach boys were probably using this. They were, they were using the same session musicians that the monkeys were. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they were
0: just, they
1: were wrecking crew. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, had Boyce and heart writing songs for, you know, Tommy Boyce, uh, Voice and heart writing songs for those guys, which I, uh, you know, those guys are great. I love their yeah. stuff. Um,
0: it's just incredible how versatile those players. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It was incredible how versatile those players were because they could just take, it was like, Hey, so we're just going to like rip off the Beatles, except obviously make that more for kids and stuff and put them on TV. So can you go ahead and do that? And they're like, sure, no problem. And they just bang out all these hits.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you know, they're almost not really like the Beatles. Totally. (laughs) Song wise. It's like what, you know, um, it's really good. I mean, you know, Amazing songwriting and all that, um, and I really like. Uh, I mean, though those guys might not have played on everything, I really like Mickey Dolan's <laughs> in his I, singing. Yeah, he's a great. His vocals are great. Um, in fact, um, the, he has a new record out right now. It's uh, Dolan sings Nesmith, and so he's doing all these Mike Nesmith songs. Whoa! And um, uh, are you? Are you? So, are you familiar with the um, the, the um, head? record and yeah soundtrack uh-huh um uh circle sky mike nesma song mickey does an awesome version of it on his new record that's like total psychedelic uh raga with with uh, sitar and and, and tabla uh, and his vocals are awesome and wow <laughs> i haven't checked out the rest of the record yet but it, it, it's pretty cool that's it, that- it's worth checking out for that song alone
0: That's really cool, yeah. I mean, you can stack that up against, uh, you know, Last Train to Clarksville, and then you you got a great doubleheader. (laughs) So, like you mentioned, you know, once you started to really just completely get immersed within the, you know independent music scene as it were i mean clearly like you said you were reaching out to other cities and you know being able to play shows and stuff like that was it the attraction of just being able to you know create these songs with friends and and play them in front of each other that kind of got you keyed into the um the notion of being in a band because i mean clearly all this stuff there was no roadmap for you to like be in a band because you were watching stuff like you know kiss and iron maiden and it was like we're not gonna get
1: there oh no that's what i mean that, that's what i wanted to do i wanted to be in a band you know that's what i wanted to do for sure and and joining these guys was was uh, definitely uh, a career move you know for me it was like okay these guys are doing shit like i said these guys are playing shows out of town they've got something going on any of these other guys around aberdeen do not
0: Got it. So the, it was. You felt like it was the on ramp on a very long highway.
1: Totally. This this was a, this was an upgrade and and uh, a chance to get the get the hell out of here. Sure. And it worked. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. You know, once you started to play shows and get immersed in that independent music scene, uh, what what kind of, I guess, drew you into the idea of like, hey, we are feel like we're contributing in some way. Like we are part of a scene, you know, what, what was attractive to
1: you about that? Hmm. Hmm. Um, gorsh. I don't know. I never really felt, and I don't think we really felt, I mean, there was already stuff happening in, in, in Seattle and Olympia and places like that. It was always kind of a small thing. Um, I felt like I stepped into something that was kind of already happening, you know? Sure. Um, but at the same time, you know us being isolated that the way that we were, you know, uh, uh, we never felt. I don't know. We always we always felt, you know, isolated.
0: <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, I, the, obviously, a lot of that had to do with your geographic area.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. But uh, but I guess just that um, that initial feeling of just being able to you know play VFW halls and see that you're at least playing with other bands that you know, maybe didn't suck as bad as the bands you played with, you know, whatever, a year ago or something like that. Yeah,
2: right.
1: I mean, I mean, we didn't have big ambitions at at all. I mean, for us, it was like, oh, to play a show and play on stage. That's great. That, you know, that's what we want to do, you know, and then uh, uh, we really wanted to make a record and that took a while to happen. But uh, finally it did. So, you know, baby steps.
0: Well, And also, it seems like like you said, the you know the ambitions of the band. There were never any you know grand plans of putting stuff together because there was that was not part of the uh, the radar, as it were. And so it seemed to always very, and still to this day. And I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but you know, very hand to mouth, where it's like, oh, what's the next thing that we could do? Um, oh, totally. Okay.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, and certainly it's it's like that. But I mean, we do like to plan things pretty far in advance. You know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, we're a million miles away from those days. So, what can I say? Um, things operate a lot more smoothly nowadays, and there's a, there's a lot more advanced planning because we can. And um, but at the same time, it's like we also know that ah, this could end tomorrow.
0: Once you started to tour, uh, did you uh, I, did you in- enjoy that experience initially, or again was that something that you kind of were? you learn to enjoy over time or did you immediately take to it?
1: Um, well, just being able to get out and go do, go someplace and get out of town was exciting enough. Um, you know, we, I mean, I don't even know if we considered it to be touring (laughs) at the time. Uh, um, early on we would go to town, we would go to Canada and play with these dudes that we knew up in Calgary and do a bunch of shows, uh, 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 across Canada early on. Um, and um, you know it—it it was uh, fun, but it was also rough in it as far as like places that we stayed at, and uh, 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 just being you know young and and, and a teenager and uh, out having fun without your parents. I guess I don't know. So you did enjoy sure. it, yeah. sure, <laughs> right? It's like you, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had some we had some pretty uh, uh, crazy experiences on our first tour. You know, um, we did this we did this tour. Sort of across, well, at least going down south and going to the southern states of the United States and then up the east coast, uh, on a tour where nobody really knew who we were and nobody really liked us. And, uh, yeah, yeah it, it was totally like hand to mouth as far as like making money and, uh, and touring in a van that broke down every, every, uh, 10 miles. Um, so that was, uh, fun, but not so fun. <laughs>
0: Of course, yeah,
1: <laughs> right. It was like being it was like it, it, it was it was like uh our, our total like uh on the road moment, Jack Kerouac, you know like bummered across the u s you know <laughs> absolutely you know, w- w- maybe a slight step higher than than hitching it all the way around the u s and and just yeah just like bumming around basically. Some kids, some kids do, you know, when they when they get out of high school or graduate college, they go and and uh, backpack across Europe, you know, like, like you know. we we bummed it around the U.S. in some shit van, trying to get shows and people to like us. So sells so our only seven inch that we had out.
0: <laughs> of course, right? Yeah, this this was <laughs> you just elongated your uh, you know, your your gap years, they say, and you're just still doing it now.
1: Right. Yeah. It sucked at first. I mean, we, we about to never tour again after that tour. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it was it, it it was fun, but there was a lot of a lot of uh, bummer times. And uh, but still, we got our, our best stories come from that tour, I think.
0: So I guess as you started to do this and, you know, maybe a few people started to show up at, at shows and there was some attention being paid to you guys how did the interaction of you know i guess commerce and the business side of music i know you guys have always had a um somewhat adversarial relationship to that side of the the coin as it were did you i guess care to participate in that at all or is that just something that was you know uh,
1: in the biz- in the business side of things yeah yeah oh yeah we've always been we've always watched every, every dollar sure <laughs> and not left it in somebody else's hands you know um yeah, I, no, I think we've been realistic about that stuff from the get-go.
0: But do you enjoy, I mean, like, do you enjoy the, like, I guess the business of it? Or is it just like, oh, well, we got to deal with this. So, of course, like, we're going to do that.
1: Um, uh, Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, are like, we well, tolerate it. It's fine. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, we got our heavies behind us. Right. You got people working for you. Sure. You know, but uh, ultimately, uh, you know, yeah, um, uh, if we weren't uh, making a living off of doing this at this point, we wouldn't do it. Why? You know, I mean, it would be weekend warriors, I guess.
0: And kind of along that same lines you know, as you guys started to, uh, you know, entertain these, uh, you know, record deals, like obviously with, you know, Atlantic and like once grunge obviously exploded and every label was trying to figure out, you know, what they needed to do with that. Um, You know, and, and this may be kind of an interesting way to put this question, but just like, when did you kind of notice it being comical? And what I mean by that is like, Oh my gosh, like, this has gone completely out of control. Like why are these labels even talking to us? Like, this is ridiculous. I mean, like we're going to talk to them because it's funny. Like, you know, we gotta, we're going to entertain these meetings or whatever, uh, but, you know, but when did it feel, I guess, larger than life in a way that you were just like, oh my gosh, this is, why are people paying attention on this level to what, you know, the Melvins are doing or whatever. Or did it ever get that way?
1: Comical, not really. But I mean, it, it, as far as this understanding why, I mean, obviously, why was because of the Nirvana guys, you know, and uh, um, labels seeing this whole new musical explosion happening and, and signing anything that might make them some money. Uh, but you know, on the other hand, for, for you know, for us uh, it, uh, with uh, our deal. And Atlantic, they always seemed realistic about their expectations, at least when we first signed. You know, and that's why we went with them, too. They they weren't, like, you know, thinking, like, you guys are going to, like, sell a million records, and it's going to be great, and we're going to have all the success, and, you know, it was more like, okay, we guys know that you're already established, and, you know, obviously you guys are friends with these guys. You know, we'll we'll give you this much money to make whatever kind of record you want to, and, um, you know, also... By us signing you guys, it'll make us look hip. You know, we'll give you know we'll be realistic about this whole thing, and if this relationship works out, you guys will always be able to be on this label and make records for your whole career. You know, that's what attracted us to to Atlantic, and that's coming from the vice president who wasn't there after a year and a half or so. <laughs> so. You know, I mean, we signed, and we signed a fucking great deal. You know, we signed we, we signed a deal that if we would have been, still been there, you know, we, uh, we would have been making records with them. We could still be making records with them. They could still have us, if, if you know. But you know, the, the turnover of employees there. I mean, uh, we outlasted like <laughs> everybody that was there when we signed with them. <laughs> So we made up. We know We made up pretty good, and we did three records with them. And, 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 uh, and I'm happy with all those records, you know. Um, and then we went and signed, signed, signed with somebody else, where we're, we could do the exact same thing that was going to happen with Atlantic, and we're still there. Funny enough.
0: <laughs> well, and I, I think it's really um, you know important to highlight the fact that it's like you. It, it, the core idea of obviously what you guys were trying to accomplish with your you know music and your art was intact for all like you said all of the relationships that you've had with labels it's like they've you know relatively left you guys alone and let you you know hatch your harebrained schemes and be able to put it out in the world in a positive way and I think that that you know that that's that's the dream and you guys have been able to accomplish that in so many different aspects so it's cool
1: yeah exactly exactly Thank you for realizing that.
0: Hey, you know what? Uh, someone's got to tell you guys you're good occasionally. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so you know, as you started to pursue the uh you know the band life and uh, you know be a part of, of that you know how are your parents reacting to it's like wow our 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 son dale i guess is in like a rock band like you know were they were they coming to shows were they uh you know sort of cheering you on from the sidelines uh, what was their interaction with this nomadic lifestyle you were living
1: yeah eventually they came and and uh and saw the band play um it was after i moved away but uh, you know, they didn't really need to come and see me play when I lived there because they got their own free concert every night.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You like you guys have already heard these songs. You don't need to right.
1: be here. And, and and of course, at that point, I wouldn't have wanted my parents to come to the show. Not them. You know. No. no. But then after I moved away and came back, then yeah, you know, it was great. It was great having them come come and, and uh, yes, they, they they were very proud
0: the fact that, uh, you know, you guys, as the Melvins have been able to do so many different creative things and stuff that has really challenged your fan base to, you know, follow along <laughs> with what you guys are doing. Um, is it fun to kind of try to find those limits in which people, uh, I guess, do follow you?
2: Yeah, sure. Especially, especially doing the artwork. Um, I mean, you know, especially in the last, I don't know, uh, uh, 20 years, we've been in control of all that stuff. And um, have also have, you know, the, the I guess... Uh, uh, well, I mean, things have changed so much, you know, like, like as far as selling music goes. You know, back when we were on Atlantic, like they used to give away <laughs> pretty much as many promo copies as what we could sell nowadays. <laughs> you know, so that's why we do those things. Like, that's why we do, like a lot of uh, limited edition artwork things and, and it's taken more control of that stuff, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, um, uh, it, it, it's like a whole nother world that, uh, 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 is, uh, something that we can, we can do, you know? Sure.
0: And then musically, I'm sure it's also fun to explore the, the I wouldn't even say the limits of what you guys can do, but just, what people will support from you guys without you saying, Hey, we don't like
2: this band anymore. (laughs) You know? Right. I guess, well, we've never worried about that stuff,
1: even from the beginning, you know,
2: um, cared about what, I mean, we've always tried to make what we thought was cool. You know, we're, we're, we're playing music that we like, that we like and would like as fans. And, um, uh, it, you know, it, it's weird and different than anything else, from anybody else, and that's why you should—that's why you should like our band. You know, uh, um, but we're fans of all kinds of different music, and uh, I think it shows enough stuff. We care, but we don't care. You know, we don't care what you think. You know, we—we uh, we know we're villains. We've always been villains in this. You know, we're the villains of rock and roll.
0: You're the, uh, you like to lean into the, uh, the heel aspect of the wrestling world, as it were.
2: Well, we, we didn't start out to be villains, you know. We weren't, we weren't meant to be villains. We want people to love us, but, I mean, you know, like I said, our band's called the Melbourne's first and foremost, so you take it from there. But uh, uh, we're, def- we're, definitely, uh, we're definitely the underdogs, I think, and always has been. And, uh, yeah. It's a
0: role you're comfortable with. Sure. Your time in, uh, you know, often Red Cross that you still play with, it, it seems to me a function of you being a dude who kind of like gets it as far as like knowing where both the bands are coming from musically, but then obviously has the you know chops to be able to play the stuff. It, it also feels like the the inclusion of you in those bands also definitely mimics the idea of, you know, when bands first start playing, sometimes a drummer is the most difficult person to come by because of all of the obvious reasons. Um, Was your, uh, you know, you being asked to play in both of those bands, uh, did it kind of feel that way where it was like, oh, this is already people I'm familiar with and their art, and now I'm just able to, you know, put my own stuff on there?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, for sure. Um, <laughs> drummers are always in multiple bands because there's there's not a lot of us, you know, and that's one reason why I decided to play drums is because, you know, everybody and their brother can play guitar, <laughs> and everybody and their brother does play guitar, so you know, drums you have more opportunity to be in bands because there's there's way less of us, but um, yeah, I mean I've always approached, um, you know, both, both those bands with, with my own style, but also. Exactly knowing where they're coming from, what their style is, and what drumming style they're looking for. You know, with uh, with, uh, with with Red Cross, it's like a, a combination of uh, Ringo, Charlie, with a little uh, a, a, a big a big pinch of
1: Cheese uh, thrown
2: in, and uh, you know, with Off, uh, uh, they're, they're more more of a, uh, a, a, a you know Black Flag early '80s style
0: hardcore <laughs> yeah. uh the uh the last thing i want to hit on was um you know you obviously you know having a family and you know having all of these things that uh you know quote-unquote normal people do you know how how does your um I get, you know, how do your kids react to, like, you know, you being in a band and your art and everything like that? Is it one of those things where, like, most kids, they think the stuff that their parents do is the uncoolest thing possible, or how do they interact with that?
2: Uh, Well, they've grown up with it, and I don't know. You like my band? Yes. Okay. My daughter says yes. So that's good. I I think she digs it. Um, Yeah. I mean, they're cool with it. They think it's cool, right? Dad's cool, right? Yeah, okay there we go you hear that yeah <laughs> All right.
0: for just further yeah, validation that's cool
2: yep who's working on a, a looks like a, a, a green tea shake wearing a bikini kill shirt so there you go uh, it,
0: that they could definitely have turned out worse that's for sure
2: <laughs> I did okay <laughs> did okay from a country bumpkin coming from Aberdeen Washington there's a great meme going around of uh, my hometown where uh, it says uh uh uh, 10,000 meth heads and counting don't feed the
0: meth heads. Well, Dale, thanks for, uh, shoveling through the, uh, the technical glitches, but yeah, I appreciate you hanging out.
2: Thank you. Thanks a lot, man.
0: Okay. Okay. That was Dale. And, uh, it was fun. Like I said, even though we went through some, some technological glitches, that was not his fault. That was the internet's fault. It was still a fun chat nonetheless, and thank you very much to Monica's publicist, and uh, yeah, you need to check out all the Melvin stuff. You should also probably check out, um, you know, Off and uh, Red Cross, if you are missing some great punk bands that uh, should be part of your vernacular. But anyways, we are talking about next week, we've got Brian Cook who is the bassist from Russian Circles. He also played in Botch, just recently released a solo record called Torment and Glory. And he's also played in bands like Roy. And uh, I just, I love what Brian does. And I've wanted to have this conversation with him for a while. So we were able to accomplish that. That's what we got next week. So until then, please be safe, everybody.